0: The Abundant Life is the the topic of today's message before we get to partake in uh, communion. And uh, I believe the Lord has laid this word on my heart. I believe it has bearing on 2019 and uh, part of the work he wants to do in us as his people. And so I am looking forward to sharing with you around the word today. Let us pray. Father, I just submit this word into your hands. You laid it on my heart some time ago, and I pray that your anointing would rest on this word. I pray, Lord, that hearts would be receptive and that this word would be well-received and that, Father, you would begin a work by your Holy Spirit that will lead us into all you want to do in terms of 2019 with us. And I believe that the work that you want to do stems out of abundant living. And so Father, I just surrender this word to you and I say use me and I pray for your anointing by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're gonna be looking at a very familiar passage of scripture, John chapter 10. You, you can page there so long. I, uh, I didn't put the, the scriptures on the screen. Or huddle up close to somebody and share with them. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 16 in just a moment. So the new year, in a way, represents a new beginning. And it represents a new season. It is calendar set up, but it's the start of the new year. It represents a beginning. And it represents a a journey that starts and that has an end in terms of the calendar as 31 December 2019. But as we get to, to start a year, it gives us an opportunity to look back and reflect on God's faithfulness and where he has brought us as his people, but never staying in the past, but always pressing ahead, as the Bible says, in him. So as the believers, we we have the benefit of looking forward to the year with a sense of hope as we find ourselves in Him. We really have every reason to be optimistic and uh, to be excited for the journey the Lord wants to take us on. But I do realize that maybe there are some people here today where in your heart of hearts, that's really not the case. And as you're standing or sitting here right now, maybe there's nothing to be excited about. And I want to say and and almost declare it over you that regardless of where your heart finds itself, God is faithful. And because you are his child, he's walking a journey with you and he is able and willing and promises to fulfill and complete it that good work which he has started. So almost I want to say to you, as Fritz said, regardless of where your heart might find itself right now, if, if you're the person I'm speaking to, say yes to God's plan. Say yes. Make a decision in your heart right now to say, I'm going for God because I know ultimately it's only in him who I can place my trust and communion, therefore, is a wonderful opportunity for us to start the year on. Because if you think about remembering the cross and the death and resurrection of Christ, it represents an opportunity for us in terms of our new beginning when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So it is very fitting in my mind that We participate in communion today because it represents our start of spiritual life when we became born again and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I believe that part of the word of the Lord for his people for 2019 is that we come to a place of abundant living. Abundant life that he has promised for us as his people In his word as we will reflect on in John chapter 10 in a few moments. There are things we're going to learn this year by the Spirit of the Lord that will lead us into a better understanding of abundant living in him. Not just an understanding, but for some people, this year might be the real start because of a revelation of what abundant living is. So, For others, it it might be a deepening of that journey. I have no doubt that there are many here today who have had a revelation and understand what abundant living is, but God wants to take us further. So let's read from John 10. We're going to read from verse 1 through to 16, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, He goes before them, and the sheep, they follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. In verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear hear them. I am the door. It's the first time Jesus acknowledges that he is the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, which is one of the key verses, which is very well known. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come. Jesus has come. That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In verse 11 again, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling who is not the shepherd... One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. It's the second time in this portion of scripture that Jesus makes that comment. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, which I added on, is a promise to us who are not Jews, but rather Gentiles. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. What a beautiful promise. So John chapter 10 is a very beautiful yet very complex portion of scripture. As a matter of fact, the whole book of John is written differently to the other three gospels. And uh, I'm sure as we've read through the New Testament, you, you might've picked up that the book of John is just written differently. The first three gospels spoke a lot about the kingdom and focused on, um, focused on the miracles of Jesus and the works that he did. And the book of John is far more sobering, far more sorting out of incorrect thinking and putting in place that which might have been misconceived or misunderstood. But again, we can see that the people really struggled to come to grips with what he was trying to say to them. The same as the parables, and it's very interesting to me that in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, They talk about parables, but in the book of John, they talk about illustrations. And so it's a very beautiful book and John chapter 10 is very complex. And there's so much to learn and Jesus sorts out and fixes so many things in John chapter 10 that it can be a series that can be taught on for weeks. But I'm only gonna touch on two aspects today because these two aspects relate to abundant living which is where I believe the Lord is wanting us to listen to and where he would like to take us in terms of the journey. There's so many other things the Lord wants to do with his people this year, and I believe it will be rooted in abundant life and an understanding of abundant life. So it brings me to point number one. It's only in relationship with Jesus that abundant life is found. John 10 couldn't make it any clearer. That Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. John 14, 6 is where we find that particular scripture. But John 10 really emphasizes the fact that Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth, and he's the only life. Chapter 10 of John speaks so beautifully about how the sheep follow him because they know his voice. We see this in verse 3 and 4. And uh, as I read the scripture, it, in, it interprets to me as speaking about relationship with Jesus. And that it's in relationship with Jesus that we know and we hear and we can listen to his voice. And um, the other thing is in verse 14, I can see that the relationship is reciprocal. And uh, in verse 14, it says, I know my sheep and am known by my own. In other words, those who are in relationship with Jesus know him and he knows them. I believe that God wants to deepen his relationship with his people in 2019. If we were to simplify it and, and break it down into levels, I believe God wants to take his people to another level of relationship with him in 2019. But how do we actually deepen our relationship with someone? I think it is so evident that you deepen your relationship with a person through spending time with them. And communicating with them. And in that regard, I believe that the Lord wants to increase the quantity of time we spend with him, but also the quality of time. I don't believe this is something that you would necessarily have to strive for that would be a burden, but I just believe it's a work the Lord wants to do in each and every one of us this year. And as your hearts lean forward towards him, you just wait and watch and see how your relationship deepens with him. Our times with Him corporately and even on our own will deepen. Our communication with Him will be on an absolutely different level. I really believe this, and I, and I declare it in Jesus' name that it will be. Now, I realize that one of the ways we communicate with Father is through prayer. And yet some people really struggle with the aspect of prayer. And many people struggle in particular with the aspect of praying in the Spirit, And I believe one of the promises the Lord is giving us is that there will be breakthrough in that area for many people this year. I believe your prayer life is gonna take on a completely different dimension. The picture I saw when when it was dropped in my spirit was of, of people who were engaged in prayer as a beautiful conversation with God. I saw fathers, heads of homes, engaging with prayer with their families without any sense of anxiety or maybe this is a bit weird, but you know what? This family stands for God, and we're in relationship with God, and together we can pray, and we can have communication with God. So it's in relationship with Jesus that we see two promises unfold in uh, John chapter 10, and those who are in relationship with him will not be misled. And we see that in John 10, verse 1 to 5. Any other who positions themselves as savior, whether that was before or after Jesus, is a thief. So let me just ask you a question here, because I thought it also for a long time, and it's, and it's not actually incorrect. But when you read John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you instantly thought or believed that it was talking about the devil? Raise your hand and shave the devil. Well, actually, in this portion of scripture, it is not talking about the devil at all. And um, while the devil wants to steal your salvation from you and hold you back from God. I believe there's an aspect that you could link the devil to the thief. But the reality is Jesus was talking to the Israelites, in particular the leaders of the day, the Pharisees. And he was calling them thieves. And so we need to understand that if anything or anyone wants to set themselves up, as a higher authority in our lives than Jesus Christ, they are a thief. Because Jesus is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life. And that is what Jesus was trying to say here. That because you have relationship with him, you know his voice, you will not be misled. You will not be misled because you recognize him And not anybody will just cause you to walk away from him because you know him. The second thing that we see is we will find all we need in relationship with Jesus. Now we see that in verse nine where it talks about they shall come in and they shall go out and they shall find green pastures. And so we see there an illustration that Jesus, in Jesus we find a sustainer and a a satisfier. He is able to meet all our needs. But in, in some Christian circles and in some messages that have been preached, the whole aspect of abundant life has somehow at times been turned into abundant wealth. That is not what John 10 is talking about. And we're gonna reflect on that a little further. You see, God will and can. He promises to provide for all our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus, who is the only way. And so there is many ways that the Lord takes care of us. One of the ways he sustains and provides for us is in his word. And I'm pretty sure that many of you can testify that as we went through the New Testament last year, that we were being fed we were being sustained. The bread of life, the word of life was really embedding itself within us. That is an example of a non-wealth kind of providing that Jesus has done for his people, is through his word. It brings me to point number two. True abundant living, and I put there in brackets in my notes, because of relationship with Jesus, true abundant living can see beyond the physical circumstances of the year and now you see an understanding and a revelation of abundant life takes you to a different level of understanding to what's happening around you here and now and i want to show you that in in the scripture uh, as we get into the the definition of abundant life so we know from looking at john 10 from previous messages that uh, the Greek word there is a word called zoe. The word zoe is the word which is in the English interpretation in your Bible, life. But did you know, as a matter of interest, that in the New Testament in particular, that the word life in the English language is a singular English word, but is actually represented by three different Greek words. And so the Bible can be very confusing sometimes because you read it, you read it in English or in any other language outside of the Greek, and you can interpret the Bible and not necessarily get the true definition of what is being spoken about. So just to to give you a quick recap uh, for those who maybe know or Maybe you don't know. The three words in the New Testament, Greek words, for life. The first one is bios. We see an example of that in Luke 8 verse 14 where it says anxieties and riches and pleasures of this life. This Greek word refers to the life of the physical body and is where we get the word biology. A word we all know. The second Greek word that represents life in the Bible is psuche. We see an example of that in Matthew 16, verse 25, where, for whoever wants to save his life shall lose it. The Greek word here refers to the psychological life of the human soul. That is the mind, the emotion, and your will. It is where we get the word. Psychology. That's where it comes from. But in John chapter 10, the word is zoe. An example of that is John 1 verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of the men. Yeah, the Greek word refers to the uncreated, eternal life of God. The divine life, uniquely possessed by God. So, We now know that John chapter 10 is talking about a very specific thing. And it confirms it later in John chapter 10, verse 24 through to 29, and we're gonna read it, that the life Jesus is talking about when he refers to this life is Zoe life. Zoe, abundant life, represented in the Bible as eternal life. Now, for some of us, we might be thinking, well, eternal life is what happens when we pass away and we go to heaven. But that is not what Jesus is talking about. And it is very true and real that we can experience abundant life right here, right now. But it needs to be rooted in the right things. And the first thing is that you cannot live an abundant life, abundant Zoe life, without Jesus. It starts with him. And um, so let's read from verse 24 through to 29. And it reads as follows. Then the Jews who were just to add in there getting increasingly frustrated with Jesus. Because he's now given them all of this and they don't understand what's going on. So now they press him and, and he says... They say, how long do you keep us in doubt if you are the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus, stop messing around with us. Just tell us. And he responds. Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. That's the explanation of Zoe life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And my simple interpretation of snatching you out of Father's hand talks to me about Yaron now. That I'm in the palm of his hand. And I am protected by him. And that's why I also believe that abundant life, even though it's speaking about eternal life, which could be considered as only when uh, you pass away and you you go to heaven as a born-again believer, I believe abundant life God has planned for us as his people also while we are here on earth. So let's bring it together. I, I found this uh, quote on Bibles for America, and I, want, I would like to read it to you because it makes it very plain and clear. By our natural birth, we human beings possess only the soulish suke life and the physical bios life. But when we believed into the Lord Jesus Christ, the choice of word there is actually very important, that you believe into the Lord Jesus Christ, because how many of you know the devil believes in Jesus? There's many people who believe in Jesus who are not born again, because it's a decision you need to make to take him on as your Lord and Savior. It's a very defined action that gets taken uh, by us when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. So reading on, we were not only redeemed, we also received the divine Zoe into us. We were born again with the life of God. This brings us back to God's original intention for us, which is that we would have his life. God is not interested in human beings becoming more refined and cultivated by themselves or in their own efforts. What he wants is for his Zoe life to increase in us and for us to live by his Zoe life and to live out this Zoe life. Then the riches of his divine life will be lived out of us and he will be manifest in our living to the people around us. So I'm trying to think of just two practical examples of people who had a revelation of what abundant life is and i From the Bible, I found two, Um, and there's many more, but the two, one from the Old Testament and then one from the New Testament. From the Old Testament is Daniel. Do you know that Daniel was exiled as a Jew in Babylon under leadership, which is described in history as comparable to Hitler. So he was not a free man and he lived in exile, however, And he he lived in a cruel environment. He however found amazing favor and had an amazing career under this very hostile leadership towards him and his faith. And his favor, I believe, was ultimately found in the fact that he led a no-compromise walk with God. And it's very clear that he had a close relationship with God, and, and so... It is why I say he had a revelation of what abundant living is, because he had a rooted relationship in God, and we can see in Daniel 6 that every day, three times a day, he would open the doors of his of his room, face towards Jerusalem, and he would pray. And he would pray to God. But notwithstanding his closeness to God, he still faced the lion's den. He still faced this hostile environment. Yet, in all of this, I believe he had a revelation of abundant life that was rooted in his relationship with God. The second one is Paul. Now, you would think that when Paul gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ with such an amazing conversion on the road of Damascus, that his whole life would turn around, and it did, but that it would just be plain sailing from there. But if you actually get into it, Paul lived a pretty difficult, horrible life. And I believe that he had a revelation of what abundant living is, which led him to write in Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13, not that I speak in regard to need. And if I remember correctly, he wrote this from prison. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can also think of many examples, even in this congregation of people who, who where things are, are going really, really well. Things are going really good, yet they realize that it is not by their strength or by their might or power, and they just pursuing God and recognize and realize that everything they are and everything they have is because of their relationship in Jesus. That type of person has had a revelation of abundant living. I also know of people who have gone through very, very, very difficult things. Some people have had a mix of both, good and bad. yet they're able to put the Lord Jesus Christ ahead of them. And it's because of their relationship with Him that I, they're able to see through the yara now. Those people have had a revelation of abundant living. So I'd like to close with this while the communion team gets ready to, to serve us, that for 2019, God wants us to thrive in our relationship with him. And that relationship can only come through Jesus Christ. The relationship is with the good shepherd. But at the same time, that as we're growing deeper in relationship with the Lord and as he takes us on this journey, that we'll never get to a place that we think we've got God figured out because he is too big for us. His love is too much for us to even try and comprehend who he is. But he does say in his word that we can have relationship with him. It's his heart's desire for us to have a deep, meaningful relationship with him. And we will know that he is in control. And um, so, revelation so deep that our here and now, whether in lack or abounding becomes actually irrelevant because the only thing that really matters is our relationship with him and that in Jesus and only in him we will not be seized out of his hand the promise that we get in John chapter 10 and that's his promise to each and every one of us who have made a decision to make Jesus his Lord and Savior he wants relationship with you he wants it to deepen in 2019 He wants you to know more and live a a bigger, more deeper, abundant life because you're in relationship with Him. And it's in that relationship with Him that you will find His protection, you will find His cover, and you will find the most amazing things that God can do as you pursue Him. So that is the word of the Lord for today, for His people, and I trust that it has fallen on good soil. Communion team, you may serve the congregation. Thank you.